Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. Sometimes I do a little reading update here at the beginning. I meant to start doing that more regularly to have like a, oh, here's what I'm reading right now at the beginning of each episode, but uh, I didn't add it to my notes, so I forget more often than I remember. But recently, I read the first five books of the Mercy Thompson series by Patricia Briggs. And then I made myself stop because if I read another one immediately, I would just completely burn out on the series. And I will probably pick it up again just because it's a nice breather in between other things. Um, And the good thing about urban fantasy series often is that they are formatted and structured such that you can pick up any of them and basically understand what's happening without having to have read the previous 10 books in the series. Like it's It got to the point where I I was on book four and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know all this stuff from the previous books because I just read them. But like if I had been a normal person and taken more than 12 hours between finishing the books, then it would have been nice to have the little reminders in there about what happened last time. And uh, Patricia Briggs does a great job. They were fun books. Um, (laughs) But that's not what we're here to talk about. There is a book we're here to talk about. This time, I'm talking about In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. Here is the summary. Sometimes it's not the kid you expect who falls through to magic land. Sometimes it's Elliot. He's grumpy, nerdy, and appalled by both the dearth of technology and the levels of fitness involved in swinging swords around. He is a little enchanted by the elves and mermaids. Despite his aversion to war, work, and most people, human or otherwise, he finds that two unlikely ideas, friendship and world peace, may actually be possible. In Other Lands was published in 2017. It won the Bisexual Book Award for teen-slash-young adult fiction that same year. And uh, today I learned that there's such a thing as a bisexual book award, which is cool. It was also a finalist for a bunch of other awards. Um, Our author, Sarah Reese Brennan, is from Ireland. She wrote her first book, The Demon's Lexicon, while working on her MA in creative writing. She also writes novel tie-ins for TV shows like Netflix's Sabrina and the Winx Saga, She has a new book coming out in 2024 titled Long Live Evil. It is her first adult novel, and I am looking forward to it. I can't find anywhere to pre-order it yet, but just be aware, I am on the lookout. If you see it somewhere, I want you to tell me. Look at me. I want you to tell me. It's a little funny that I talked about the Mercy Thompson books at the beginning, um because I specifically call out how quickly I read them. And like my first note in my reading notes here is that I was so pleased to have sped through this book, to have sped through In Other Lands in only three days. (laughs) 
<laughs> it is a little longer than the Mercy Thompson books. Um, and I had a little bit more going on at the time. The thing that made this one so great was I had just come off of reading Wheel of Time, um, the fourth Wheel of Time book, which took me six weeks to read. So to go from that to picking up this book and reading it in three days, much nicer for me personally than the six weeks it took me to read The Shadow Rising. Um, so Sarah Reese Brennan, the author, made a place for herself on the bookshelf of my heart back in 2015 when I read her Lynn Byrne Legacy trilogy, which is also very good, just so you know. I have been meaning to read In Other Lands basically since it was published. This maybe gives you an idea of how long things sit on my mental shelf before I pick them up. It may have taken me six years, but I finally got around to it. Everyone who told me to hurry up and read it, you were correct. It was very good. I have been thinking about unreliable narrators lately. Partly because Wheel of Time is full of them. Uh, for an example, please read the first few point-of-view chapters from Matt Cawthon, where he's thinking about how he's going to leave all his friends behind and not get involved in their messes, uh, and only to turn around and jump straight into trying to rescue them, because they don't know that they're in danger. Um, and I've also been rereading the Queen's Thief books, I just finished King of Atolia today, in which are main man Eugenides is the unreliable narrator supreme. I love him very much, but he sure never tells you anything straight unless he knows you're going to think he's lying. What a piece of work. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> Our point of view for this book in other lands is Elliot, who is a fun narrator, but not necessarily a reliable one. He sees some things very clearly, or he thinks he does, and he has an acerbic wit, but he has massive blind spots in other areas um, in a way that is both fun and very sad. So again, kudos to Sarah Reese Brennan for this entire book, because one of Elliot's biggest blind spots is his belief that he is fundamentally unlovable. Maybe blind spot isn't quite the right word. It's just one of his strongest filters in how he perceives everything and everyone. It's the lens through which he views the world. He starts the book 13 years old, convinced that to survive in this world, he can't show one second of weakness that he has to strike first with his words and his biting, sharp observations, and that no one could ever love him as he is, and he will always be abandoned. Did I mention it was sad? But I bring this up just to point out that an unreliable narrator isn't necessarily lying to the reader. Sometimes they are. They can be outright lies or lies of omission, but often an unreliable narrator is lying to themselves. If a character believes, for a totally random example, that they are unlovable 
what do you think they do when someone says, hey, I like you, or spend a lot of time around them? Does that character think, oh, that's nice, this person likes me? Or do they think, what have I done to trick this person into believing anything good about me? Or what does this person want from me? Elliot lies to himself all the time. Mostly, he's trying to protect himself, and the only way he knows how to do that for most of this book is by pushing people away. If he pushes people away and never lets them know he likes them, there's no chance for that person to reject him. The point of this little chat about unreliable narrators is that I just really liked the way Elliot was written. There are moments that shine through the abandonment-flavored lens through which he views the world, where the reader can see so clearly how much other characters like Elliot, even though he's a horrible little gremlin, but which Elliot himself is so deliberately blind to. It's just very well done. Okay, so the book itself... In Other Lands is technically a portal fantasy, which you may be familiar with. When was the last time I talked about a portal fantasy? Okay, a brief search of my transcripts tells me that I haven't talked about portal fantasies, except for like a brief mention in my episode on Dragon Song. Just seems weird to me. Why did I do that? So a portal fantasy is where usually a child finds a door to another world, usually a magical world. Think Chronicles of Narnia as like the easiest example where somebody finds a wardrobe that opens into a magical world. For Elliot, his teacher brings him and a group of other students out to a field And Elliot's like, why is there this huge wall in the middle of the field? And everybody else is like, there's not a huge wall in the middle of the field. And Elliot's like, yes, there is. I am looking directly at it. Um, So he finds himself brought to a strange new world and asked if he would like to stay and help defend it. And where one might expect a lonely child to immediately say yes to this offer of a magical land and the possibility of a new home and dive headfirst into weapons training, Elliot's first question is, wait, is this a colonization thing? Are we child soldiers? What are you doing here? He also, his teacher's like, do you have anyone who will miss you? And Elliot says, that is a serial killer question, and I will not answer it. Bless his heart. He's so right. He is also annoying. He is so rude and snarky the whole time. I personally found it delightful when characters would see him coming and go, oh no, because they know he's about to spend the next 30 minutes haranguing them about whatever they're trying to do. He grows and changes over the course of the book, as one might expect and hope a character in a book to do. But if you don't find his style amusing or compelling right off the bat, just be warned, he is who he is. He is fundamentally 
unable to stop talking or let things go. I think he's amazing, but I know he wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. So the book is split into years and covers Elliot age 13 through Elliot age 17, and we get to follow him through his first fights, loves, and endless arguments. He falls head over heels in love with an elf on day one and makes an uneasy truce with the most popular kid at border camp school and devours all the information he can about this new world, which is known as the Borderlands. He doesn't immediately dive into the fantasy world and stay there forever. He goes back to the normal world every summer, and there are moments he considers staying there and leaving the borderlands behind. I liked the intention with which Elliot set out to make this decision between worlds because he knows he's he can't keep switching back and forth, right? Like at the rate technology changes and the world changes, he wouldn't be able to easily move between worlds. And he very purposefully sets out and spends like time thinking about it. And he spends a long summer traveling around Europe and seeing what the world has to offer and like sees how his life could go and how it could be a good life in the normal world. But even though there are things he misses about the quote-unquote normal world, like microwaves and indoor plumbing and highlighters, he loves the borderlands. He loves the magic. He loves that he gets to meet mermaids. I mean, who wouldn't? And especially important for Elliot, he feels that he can make a difference there in the borderlands. Elliot steadfastly refuses to learn how to fight. New transplants to the borderlands spend their first years at a school and they can choose their field of study. People either join the guards, the soldiers and scouts and military, or the diplomatic corps. Elliot is like, oh, so they're is an option to just talk to people and not hit with them with swords. Excellent. I will be choosing that option. Thank you. Um, But the diplomatic corps is sidelines. There have been recent changes in the borderlands that have left the diplomats with very little influence or authority. So you'll get instances where someone told this anecdote of like, they have the The generals all meet and decide what the treaty should say, and then they get someone from the diplomatic corps to, like, write it down. But the diplomatic corps isn't involved in negotiations or peace talks in any way. It's, like, all driven by the military arm. To which Elliot says, that's interesting. I'm going to be a diplomat, and I'm going to make it everyone's problem. So he focuses all of his considerable energy on making peace between the humans who are relatively recent transplant to the borderlands and all the other folk who have been living in the borderlands for much longer. The elves, dwarves, dryads, harpies, trolls, and especially the mermaids. Even with Elliot's, like, desire for peace, there is a lot of fighting, skirmishes and battles. His two best friends, the elf whose name is Serene Heart in the Chaos of Battle, 
and the most popular kid in school, Luke Sunborn, are both fighters. They both keep getting sent out into battle. And occasionally Elliot tags along, but sometimes he's left back at the school wondering if his friends are going to die fighting a stupid war. And I kept expecting there to be a moment where Elliot turned to fight. So many stories are about the necessity of picking up a weapon and fighting back. But Elliot never does. He never stops. He never stops. (laughs) He never stops looking for ways to communicate with others even and especially with folk considered too dangerous to talk with, like trolls, or that the communication barrier can never be overcome, like with mermaids. As far as Ellie can tell, no one's tried. And it's not easy. It's not as easy as just holding your hand out to meet a mermaid. There are many times where Elliot questions his decision to stay or nearly gets drowned by a mermaid. As magical as the world is and as much as he loves it and loves learning about it, the whole system in the Borderlands is canted towards war. The humans, in typical fashion, draft their treaties to give themselves every advantage and back it up with force. Elliot is fighting every step of the way, but he's just one little guy. It is a difficult, lonely path that he chooses, but he chooses it. He sets his sights on bringing peace and he won't back down no matter who gets in the way. I just had so much fun and so many feelings while reading this one. Brennan very clearly loves the portal fantasy genre and loves fantasy and loves playing with it. Portal stories are built on the basic premise of children being shunted into roles of responsibility and saviorhood in a magical land. And Elliot is aware of the genre conventions, okay? He's read fantasy books. So this is a book in conversation with other examples of the genre, while also bringing something new and fun to it. In other lands, started life as a short story, but quickly blossomed into a full-blown novel, and I'm not surprised. Like I said, you can tell Brennan had fun writing this book. There is also a short story in this world published earlier this year, 2023, called Tears Waiting to be Diamonds, which I will link to in the show notes. It's set a few years after the end of this book and follows a different main character, but nicely pulls in Elliot and other familiar faces to show new aspects to the world of the Borderlands. As far as I know, there's no plan for a sequel novel. I would happily read one, but the story is very good and very complete as it is. If you want more media like this, The Wayward Children series by Shannon McGuire, which I know I have recommended before, though I haven't done like a specific episode on it, is very much in this realm. This book also reminded me of the Percy Jackson and the Olympians books. Join me next time to hear about A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is just to rate and review it or share it with a friend. 
You can find me on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at BacklogBooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.